Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! My title for today is Practical Christianity. And today I'm going to talk you through points on how we can practically get that practical experience on how to become a Christian and how to grow as a Christian. So uh, as uh, throughout the, the, this year, so how many of you noticed that it's already half a year gone for 2023? Hey, some, for some people it might be, wow, so fast. Some people might be, Allah, so slow. <laughs> so uh, throughout the, 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 the year, we have been going through the team. For, for, for the church this year, which is Heaven Rules. So we're finding out about what success means to God and how it differs from, sometimes it differs from what the world views as success. We've also talked about how our personal relationship with God is what defines us as Christians. It's what uh, motivates us to do better. It was, it's what motivates us to want to do more for God. And as a Christian, it's important to know the theory it's important to know about the Bible, to know about who God is, but it's also important to have practical experience. It's also very important to... So when you take a driving license test, you, you first take the theory test, and then you think, oh, I know everything about driving. And then the first time you take a driving test, uh, the, the, the driving lesson, you're like, eh, actually the road is a much more scary place than I thought it would be. And how come I d- didn't learn anything about this in the theory test? And like, oh, okay, so now I need to have practical experience. So similarly to how we have, need to have practical experience for driving, we also need to have practical experience as a Christian. And the only way we can build upon that practical experience is by spending time with God. And, by, and if there's only one thing that you catch from today, is that you need to have practical time spent with God. And you need to be able to say, I have spent time with God for myself. And it's not enough for me to say, oh, soon time I spend time with God, therefore I believe in God. It's not enough for me to say that because I have not experienced God for myself. So today we're going to talk about those, those important things that we can do to really experience God for ourselves and also what we can do to really stay on track throughout our journey with God. Cool? Alright, before I start, please allow me to pray. Thank you God for today. And thank you, God, for this opportunity to speak in your house. Uh, I do not take it lightly. I do not take it for granted. And I pray that you will use me as your vessel uh, to preach your word this morning and not my own. Uh, I pray that I'll be able to lean on your strength and lean on your wisdom and knowledge and that I'll be able to um, speak your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Cool. So, my first point for today is so... Uh, I have a very interesting three points today. So they are A, B, and C. So it's like one, two, three. So the first point for today is A for admit. And let's look at the definition. So definition of admit is confess to be true or to be the case. So as I was preparing, I was thinking, what in life is it hard to admit? So there's two things that I think are very hard to admit. First thing is admitting that we're wrong. So I don't know about you guys, but me and Karin, a lot of the (laughs) arguments that we have mostly stem from one of us not wanting to admit that we're wrong. And then we fight, we fight, we're like, oh, too much ego, don't want to say sorry first, no, no, cannot, cannot, let him say sorry first, or let her say sorry first. And then if the other person says sorry, then suddenly, eh, everything diffused already. So it's like we notice that the smallest issue can grow into the biggest problem if we're afraid to admit that we're wrong, or if we're afraid to, to admit defeat when we know that we are the one that has to do so. So admitting that we're wrong is hard. The second thing is admitting that we need help. And I was, I, was, I was on the train right here. God was telling me that instead of talking about admitting that you're wrong for a, admitting that you need help in a weakness, let me talk about admitting that you need help for a strength. And it's important that we, we think about, okay, so let's say we have a strength in life. So let's say I'm, I'm good at making slides at work. 
And because I'm good at making slides at work, sometimes I forget to, to, to acknowledge that God gave me that, that strength. And sometimes I forget to say, God, I know this is my strength, but can you please help me? And can you please... And that, that, that gives me... Um, when I admit that I need help even in my strength, that gives me humility. And that allows me to be humble in the sense that I know that I didn't get this by my own strength, but through God. And this, this puts me in the right mindset because after I finish the task, after if I receive any acknowledgement or if I receive any thanks for it, I know who to thank. I know to, I know to thank God. And not to say, oh, I did well. It's all my work. So it's, instead of doing that, I think it's very important for us to be in the right mindset, whether it be our strength or our weaknesses. And whenever we ask for help, we should, the help should always be followed by thanks. Because when you ask for help from God, Sometimes, I mean, speaking from personal experience, sometimes I forget to thank God. Like, let's say I pray before a meeting. I remember to pray before the meeting, but after the meeting goes well, I forget to pray and say thank God for letting the meeting go well. And then I, I lose the opportunity to be grateful for what God has provided. So, so i give you an example from work. So last time when I used to start work, when I was a young boy, at, at, the, at the ripe old age of 24, I started work. <laughs> A long time ago. Uh, and uh, when I started work, the thing that I wanted to do was prove myself, right? And when I wanted to prove myself, the thing that I thought to do was to do everything by myself and to not ask for help and to always like, oh, work long hours, try everything myself, then only ask for help. But what I learned over time is that because I did that, sometimes uh, there are two things that can happen. First is I take longer than needed. And the second is that I, I don't learn as much as I could have by asking for help from somebody. And because of that, uh, as, as time grow by, goes by, uh, that, that, that informs how I lead people at work as well. So because I know that people will have asked questions to ask, I make that environment for them to be able to ask questions, for them to be able to ask for help. Similarly to when I don't know what to do, I ask for help instead of acting like I know what to do. <laughs> and that really helps because it builds trust between you and your boss and you and the people that are in, are in your team. And similarly to God, when you continually ask God for help, you build up that trust with Him. You are able to admit to God saying that, God, I need your help and I trust that you can provide. Therefore, let's have, a, let's, let's have that trust between us. Let's, let me have faith in you so that I can build up that faith. And it takes time. It doesn't start with suddenly like you ask God for a humongous thing. It could be. It could happen that way. But the more you trust in God, the more you build up your faith and the more they admit that you need help, the more God can work in your life. Because if you, if, you, if you think that, okay, everything in my life is, is everything's okay, you won't ask for help and you won't grow. Because you are already at a point in life where you think that you have everything. And that, that gives you, puts you in a mindset where you can start to be ungrateful. Because you think, okay, everything I have, I've done with my own strength. Why should I thank God? Why should I give back to God? And, some of, and we also start to rely on our own strength instead of asking God for, for help. And when we are very good at something, we forget. So we become forgetful. And we are also are driven away from God. Because the less conversations you have with somebody, the less you are in touch. So for example, like every time, I mean for me, like, every time I leave a company, I'll say, oh, keep in touch. Or uh, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's not, not, not lose touch. Not, let's not lose track of each other. But it always happens that because you are speaking with people at your current workplace, for the longest time, every day, then you, it's hard to keep in touch with the people from your previous workplace. Similarly to the friends you had in Malaysia. Unless you make the effort to keep in touch, you will not keep in touch. 
because unless one side makes the effort to, to make conversation, it's hard. And that's when you lose touch with, in, in that part of the conversation. So the personal relationship with God is one, one, one that God is always willing to talk to us, but are we willing to talk to Him? Are we willing to go to Him for help? Are we willing to say, God, let's have a conversation today? And it could be anything. It could, your prayer could just be thanking God for whatever happened today. It could be just asking God for help in, in your situation at work. But as long as you have frequent conversations with God and you learn from each conversation and you don't just pray without listening, then it works. And then you are in that position where you grow. You build up that relationship day after day. And, and uh, at Save the Date, <laughs> we have an event where it's for couples and in, who are in relationships. And we always say that the more you speak to each other, the better you learn your love language. And the more you speak to each other, the better you have better communication channels. So like the first day you enter your job, right? When you speak to your boss, you don't know how your bo boss does his, does his thing or does her thing. You don't know how they speak. You don't know how they like to receive work. But over time, you understand. You understand how they, how they receive work, how they give work, how they do their job. Similarly to God, if you don't understand how God works, ask God. It's the only person that can give you an answer is God, right? I can't give you the answer on His behalf. I can tell you about God, but you have to experience God for yourself. So let's look at some scripture. So if we look at Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13. And if you're there, could you please say amen? Cool. <laughs> All right, let's read. So this is from Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13. And for some context, this is after the, the Israelites have been conquered by the Babylonians and they are in captivity. And this is what the prophet Jeremiah is saying to the Israelites. So, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Wow, isn't this an encouragement? When you search for God, you will find Him. And this is, this is God like giving, I don't know, chance number... 100,000 maybe to the Israelites already. This is after they have served other idols, served other gods. They have gone astray multiple times. These are the same Israelites that, that worship a bull instead of a, God, a living God. They, this, these are the people that normal humans will not give another chance to, but God, God gave them another chance. So, as, so I'm try, what I'm trying to get across here is that it's never too late for us to admit that we're wrong. And it's never too late for us to say to God, God, help me. And it's never too late. So, if, if you're in that situation where you feel like, hmm, maybe God has turned his, his, his face away from me, or maybe God is not caring anymore because I've made too many mistakes, that's never the case. God will never turn His face away from you. God is always at the door, ready for you to open the door and let Him in. So, let that be an encouragement, or let that be a, uh, maybe, um, motivation for you to, to, to open that door for Christ. Amen? So, and then some of you will be, and as I was praying, I was thinking, what's a practical way that I can start praying? And what's a practical way that I can start asking God for help? So, let's go through the Lord's Prayer. And as you turn to Matthew 6, 9-13, to I think the Lord's Prayer is a really exciting way to start prayer, and it's also such a powerful prayer. So, let's, let's go through it bit by bit. So, in this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So, the first starts with praise. It starts with acknowledgement as to who God is. 
it hallows God's name, puts God's name above all else. The second part says, your kingdom come, your will it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here it tells us that I, you trust in God. You've already made the decision to commit. That's why you admit that God knows what's best. That's why you say, God, your will be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven, God rules. In, on earth, God also rules. So it should be the same both ways. So give us this day our daily bread. This shows that every day we need to have that reliance on God. And it doesn't matter whether it's a good day, it's a hard day, it's going to be an easy day, difficult day. Every day you ask God for help. And it's, it's so that you build up the reliance on God and so that you know that at the end of the day, you have something to be thankful for. So that when somebody asks you, oh, what are you thankful for today? You don't have something to scratch your head about and think about because you know, I'm thankful to be alive today. I'm thankful to have strength for today. I'm thankful to have gone through the work day for, for today. I'm thankful to have been able to go to the library to study today. So let's go to the next part. And, as, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This shows humility because it shows that we are thinking in God's view of God knows that we have something to repent for, so we're repenting for it. And we're also accepting that we have something to repent for. And we're also repenting in advance for anything that we might, might do by mistake today or the day before. And we're also saying that give us the strength to forgive others as well. And how many of you know that forgiveness is hard? And forgiveness takes strength and forgiveness is an ongoing task. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this part really speaks as to trusting that God will, is able to protect us. And trusting that God is going to go before us and prepare the way for us. And trusting that God will help keep us away from the temptations of the world and of earthly things. And the last part is, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is again an acknowledgement of who God really is saying, God, I pray all this because I know that you can do it. I know that you are able. So you're admitting that God is God. And you're admitting that God is mighty. And you're admitting that God can do what you are praying for. Amen? So I think when I was uh, mulling over why it's hard to admit that we're wrong, or why it's hard to admit that we need help, the main two things that, that God gave to me was ego and pride. So when we are proud, it's very hard for us to admit that we're wrong. When we are proud, it's very hard for us to admit that we have a weakness. So, so <laughs> I like to joke with people like, when, when you go for a job interview and people ask for your weakness, don't say that my weakness is working too hard. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so it, it gives us time to reflect. Right? Imagine, imagine your job interview asks you, what's your weakness? Imagine that is self-reflection, right? It's not, it's, but in, in the job interview, it's, it's meant for you to impress them by saying that, oh, I've done the self-reflection, I know my weakness, I'm working on it. Similarly to God, right? You want to know what your weaknesses are so that you can ask for help. You want to know what your strengths are so you can say thank you and ask for help. So let's not let ego and pride be a barrier for us trusting in God. And let's not ego and, let ego and pride be a barrier for us to say to God, God, please help. Because that's the, that's the best thing that you can experience, help from God. Amen? So the second point is belief. So what does it mean to believe in something? So when, as I was preparing, God said to me, how come it's so easy for you to believe news that you see in a YouTube shot, but then when, when pastor preached on Sunday, you don't believe? Then like, like for me, it's like, oh, oh God, sorry. Oh, oh, why like this? <laughs> but, but it's true, you know, as I, as I thought about it, and I was like, hmm, how come I'm so quick to believe news from a media outlet, but it's so hard for me to believe the truths that God has put in the Bible? 
And it's so hard for me to, to, to trust when somebody gives a testimony. I don't know about you, but sometimes you get skeptical, right? Uh, why is, you, you sure God, God did that? Uh? You, sure, you sure somebody's life can be so good? Uh? You, you don't know why there's this inbuilt skepticism within your mind or inbuilt uh, doubt whenever it comes to something religious or whenever it comes to something Christian. And I don't know whether it's the social media that's ingrained it in our lives or whether it's been there since the beginning because of our sinful nature. But sometimes we're skeptical. Sometimes we find it hard to believe because we don't want to believe. Uh, because something is stopping us from believing. And the question that, that came into my mind after that is, if I don't believe in God, then what do I believe in? And that's a, something that every Christian has to answer for themselves. Why do you believe in God? And why do you follow God as your Lord and Savior? Because if you can't ex un, uh, answer that for yourself, from your own practical experience, then why are you Christian? Then why? Well, it's a tough question to answer, but every Christian has to answer it for themselves. And because it's a personal relationship with God, every person's answer will be different. And every person's relationship with God is their own personal story. And therefore, I think God really wants me to say that don't judge your relationship with God based on what other people have. So let's say, let's say so for me, I am currently finishing up <laughs> the Bible in a year. So I'm on day 300 today and I have 65 days to go. But it doesn't mean that you have to start there, right? You can just mean that you start with uh, the Lord's Prayer every day. It can mean that you start with one verse every day that, that pricks you up. Maybe you, you go to you version and then you read the verse for the day and it means so much to you because it's that personal touch that you're receiving from God. So don't compare your Christian relationship with God to mine because when we compare, we tend to get envious, we tend to get jealous, and we tend to get skeptical. So don't compare, be encouraged. Be, like, let's say um, somebody comes up here and gives a testimony, be encouraged by it. Go up to the person and say, thank you for sharing. Thank you for helping me build my faith, my personal relationship with God. And don't be skeptical saying that, why did this person get but I don't get? Don't be like that. Don't be like that. <laughs> and the definition of belief is to accept that something is true. So let me give you some truths to believe in our God. So number one thing that God says is God loves us. And how did He prove that? He sent God, He sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And I don't know how else to prove that God loves you other than the fact that He sent His Son that was blameless, that was in heaven, enjoying heaven, and being God. And, and He sent Him down to earth to, 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 to die for our sins and to die for the sins of people that came after Him as well. And can, can, I don't think we'll, we'll fully grasp it until maybe you have children from yourself. But can you imagine giving up your child for somebody else? And can you imagine the, the thought process behind it? And God never regretted it, you know? It never, none, nowhere in the Bible says that God regretted His decision even though people chose not to follow Him. God never regretted His decision to send Jesus down to earth to die for our sins. That's the first thing. Second thing is God is always in control. We need to acknowledge and have, have faith that God created the universe and as such, He has control for everything happening in the universe. And he is always in control. The third thing is that the Holy Spirit is here to help us. And the Holy Spirit was sent as a helper for God to help us on our journey. And let's not let our belief in things that are temporary, in things that are fleeting. So, for example, we're chasing after more recognition at work 
or we're chasing after a promotion at work. Let's not, stop, let's not let that stop us from going to homes or going to church and sowing into other people's lives and spreading the good news that God has for us. So the reason why you've been put in your work marketplace is not a coincidence. The reason why you've been put in your marketplace is so that you can sow where you've been placed. So the similar to, to where you go to university, there, there's people that you can speak to. There's people that I can't reach because I'm not in your university. There's people that you uniquely have that relationship with. And because of that, you have that unique opportunity to sow into that person's life. So let's believe that God has placed you where you're at for a reason. And so let's go through Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. If you're there, please say amen. Yay. Okay, cool. So let's go through part by part. So first, the first says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. This proves to you that, so back in olden times, the Holy of Holies only can be entered by the, the high priest. And even the high priest sometimes scared to go in because if they make a mistake, they can drop dead at any time. So this shows that God wants to have a connection with us and He gave us that connection through Jesus dying on the cross for us because the only thing that was stopping everybody from going into the, the Holy of Holies was sin. And because of sin, we, we, did, we were not able to go in because we were not cleansed of our sin. And the only way that the high priest could be cleansed of our sin was through animal sacrifice in the, in the olden ways. So, second part is, um, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. So, this, this really gives us a sense that God has washed us clean, and it's our job to keep it clean. It's our job to say to God, okay, I acknowledge that you have died for my sins. I'm going to do my best, even though I might fail, to stop from sinning more and to acknowledge that I need you and I need your help to do that. And the next part is, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. So faithful here means unchanging. Faithful here means the same God now and forever. Faithful here means a God that you can put your trust in. Faithful here means it's a God that's almighty and yet merciful enough to give us chances. And let us consider one, an in honor, sorry, one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So here we see that being a Christian is communal in nature. Because once you receive the good news, it's not for yourself to keep, it's for you to share with others. And it's for you to build each other up rather than tear each other down. So as I was on the train, also some, one thing that God gave into my mind was that when you pray for help, for a strength, you're also praying for God to say, let my strength not be a stumbling block for other people. Let it be encouraging. So how, how do I explain this? So for example, maybe Sam is so good at playing the guitar, so good that you don't even dare to play the guitar. But in, instead of that, Pray that God will say that God, because Sam is good at playing the guitar, I want to ask for help, and because I want to play the guitar myself. And you're encouraged by it. So we don't want our, our strength to be a stumbling block for other people. That's why we ask for help as to how to use it in the right ways. And here it says, so much more as you see the day approaching. The day here means uh, when God finally comes back to earth, the rapture. 
and if you read Revelations, you'll find out more about it. But what I'm trying to talk about here is that we need to have a sense of urgency. We cannot be complacent and say, oh, somebody else will talk to my family member on my behalf, or somebody else will have their personal relationship with on my behalf. Because if I'm not urgent to, to, to finish a work, a work item by the deadline, then how am I going to finish it? And if I don't finish it by the deadline, then what are the consequences? So the consequences of not finishing uh, a work deadline is, is trivial, right? It's just you get, maybe you get scolded by a boss or maybe you get an uh, extension. But what happens if you miss the opportunity to speak into the life of somebody else? That's eternal. And that is something that will last forever. So you want to really think about who God has placed in your lives. And the next time God's, God asks you to, to speak to someone, think about whether you want to act or not and why you want to act. So uh, we need to not take God lightly. And we don't want to take God in a sense where we are lukewarm or half-hearted. So here we also have a reminder that God is a God that we can trust because of the things that He's done and because of His personal relationships with us. And I want to share, so when I was a kid, I had very, very, very terrible asthma. So I was, my asthma was so bad that I had to go to the hospital every night. And my parents lost a lot of sleep. They didn't know what to do. And they, what they did was they started a prayer group. The, the people in church started a prayer group and they prayed over my situation because asthma is not something that's curable. Asthma is not something that, that human medication at the current time can fix. And only God can do it, right? So you had to admit that, okay, God, there's this problem. Can you please fix it? And as a, after praying for many years, after lots of patience, lots of, lots of perseverance, I'm, I no longer have asthma. So I no longer have to, to use an inhaler. I no longer has to have, to, have to use a nebulizer. So I only, only, there's only God to praise for that. Because I can't say I heal myself. I can't say that um, because I exercised, I lost my asthma. I can't say that because, uh, because I took a certain drug, I lost my asthma. Only God, I can thank for that. And, and, and I like to joke that I have post-asthmatic lungs and I still was able to climb Kinabalu. But I, but I, I don't want to lose the fact that I, I and take for granted that I was healed. Because asthma was such a big part of my identity as a kid that people knew me as the guy that lived in the water. <laughs> and like, I'm the guy that, oh, if he exercises too much, cannot faint. <laughs> so, so, and now, now, now I, can, I can climb, I can, I can, I can, I can sort of jog. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm okay at sports, but I have, only have God to thank for it, right? I, I cannot say that I healed myself because only God can heal asthma, right? And it's not that, and I'm not saying this to, to be a downer or to be, to, be a, to be a stumbling block for anyone praying for healing. I'm saying this because we want to pray to the same God. And we trust that God knows what's best. Healing me was His plan for me. Maybe if He didn't heal me, I'll still have to be thankful, right? And I'll still know that God's plan for me was to not be healed for a reason. And the only person that can tell me what the reason is, is God. So we need to believe that God knows what's best for our lives. Amen? And we are called to have faith. And faith is something that's difficult because faith is the trust in things not seen. And faith is the trust in things that we don't know are possible or not. And if you have faith in possible things, it's not really faith, right? Because it's possible. But you have, when you have faith in the impossible, that's when you fully 
trusting God. That's when you fully rely on God 100%. And you say to God, Oh, I don't know what to do anymore, God. Please help me. Cool. So, and also I think because we've talked about how personal our relationship with God is, I encourage you to have lots and lots of questions to ask. And don't keep it in. If you have questions, ask them. Don't let it boil within. Don't let it... Don't be afraid to share it with, uh, with, in a safe environment. So the, the church should be a safe environment where you're, uh, where you're able to grow with God, where you're able to feel like you're in a stress-free, judgment-free environment so that you can grow with one another and without the fear of being judged or without the fear of like, oh, is this too politically correct? Or should I even bring this up? Will I be judged because I said this? Or if I say I have addiction to this, will somebody view me differently? No, because sin is sin. There's, we have no right to judge somebody else for another, for another sin because we have sinned ourselves. What we can do is encourage one another. What we can do is create a safe place for us to share with one another. That's what church should be. That's why we need a community, right? To share good news with each other, to help each other through problems, to help each other grow closer to God. Church is not a place where you come to and just hear and do nothing. Church is a place where you do after you've heard. Amen? So I want to share you two quotes. The first is from Nabil Qureshi. And some of you might know him as the writer of Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And this guy is, wow, I, I encourage you to read his book. I have not done it so yet, but uh, people that have read it say it's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to tell the truth, right? <laughs> but, but I've read his biography, and it's so, so, so encouraging to know that because... <laughs> sorry. I Christian, right? I need to tell the truth. <laughs> I cannot recommend a book that I haven't read, but I heard it's good. <laughs> but I read through his testament, his, his biography, and it's so encouraging to know that he found God through debates with another Christian. And while find, trying to find out more about his own religion, he found God. And this is, this is after he's, he's converted from a devout Muslim into a fervent Christian, and this is what he said about the Bible. I could not put the Bible down. I literally could not. I felt as if my heart would stop beating, perhaps implode if I put it down. Can you imagine? Can you imagine you read the Bible so, and you're so enthralled with it that you never put it down, that you can't wait for the next moment you read the Bible, that you can't wait for the next moment you have that conversation with God. This guy did, you know, this guy that was totally against Christianity, got his life totally changed because he seek the truth. And let's see what C.S. Lewis says about truth. So C.S. Lewis is sometimes most well-known for the Narnia chronologies, but he's the author of one of the most famous books on Christianity called Mere Christianity, and it's a book meant for people that are skeptical, skeptical about Christianity to find out more about Christianity. Okay, so this is why it says, if you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will neither, you'll not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking, to begin, and in the end, despair. So this is a very ouch, <laughs> because it says, don't stay comfortable. Don't, 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 don't stop stepping out of your comfort zone. And it says, seek truth above all else. And the way you seek truth is by asking questions, and the way you ask questions is by speaking to people, and finding out for yourself what the truth means to you, what Christianity means to you, what God means to you. So I encourage you to, to both Seek truth, and also read the books that I mentioned just now. <laughs> and uh, so, and, and many, many, not, I don't know whether many people know, but 
even C.S. Lewis was an atheist before he became a Christian. And because of the company that he's with, a lot of Christian apologists, he slowly grew to know more about Christ, and then his faith became unbreakable because of those conversations with, with, with those people around him. So the people you have around you make a big difference as to how you see Christ and how you see the people around you as well. So I encourage you to have good friends that you can be accountable to, and I encourage you to believe in your friends and, 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 and help build up their faith as well. Amen? Cool. So the third thing I want to talk about today is commit. So first we have admit. We need to admit that we need help, and we need to admit that we have sinned. Second is believe. We believe that God is the one that can help us, and we believe that uh, we need help in the first place. And third is to commit. So as Christians, the fundamental thing that we have to commit to is commit our lives to God. And it's not something to be kept a secret or to be ashamed of. So let's read through Luke 9, verse 23 to 26. Thank you, Rachel. Okay. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to, for a man to, if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory, and in his fathers and of the holy angels. Amen. Here, there's a few things that, uh, that I picked up. First is do not be ashamed to be a Christian. And the only way to not be ashamed to be a Christian is to know why you are a Christian and to really commit to why you are a Christian and to really believe in the God that you're serving. The second thing is it's an outward declaration not just to men, but becoming a Christian is an outward declaration to God saying that I commit to you. I commit to, 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 to saying that you are God and that only you can help. And a similar outward declaration that we have in a modern society is marriage. So when I agreed to marry Karen, I committed to our relationship. And when we both committed to our relationship, and relationship is both ways, right? There's no like one, one like I cannot say I married to Karen, but she said no, but we still married, right? So, so it's a, it's a two-way relationship, and it's, it's both sides committing to the same relationship. And, and when, I, when, I, when in the vows, the vows says for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, till death does, does us part. And... Uh, what God has put together, let no man separate. So it's, it's, it's saying to God that, God, I'm committed to carrying until death does us part. And whatever challenges that may come in our way, we're going to face it together. And similar to marriage, this is our personal relationship with God. God is ready to commit to our relationship. God already has committed to our relationship by sending Jesus to die on the cross for us so that we can have that connection with Him. Are we ready to commit to God? Are we ready to say to God, God, I need your help. God, you're the only one that knows the best plan for my life. Can you please enlighten me? Can you please let me know what to do? And God deserves 100% of, of, of our commitment. Because when you commit to something, you don't do it half-heartedly. You don't do it um, uh, as you don't do it laissez-faire where you're like, oh, I commit today, tomorrow I take a break. Then I commit tomorrow, I take a break. I cannot take a break from my marriage with, God, with Karen, right? <laughs> I cannot say, okay, like, we're married from Monday to Wednesday, then Thursday to start Sunday, we're not married. It doesn't work that way, right? When you make a commitment, when you make a work commitment, you commit to going to work Monday to Friday every week. 
you, you make the commitment and you know that 100%, I, I have to stick to it because I've made that commitment. Let's take our commitment to God seriously. Let's not be a Christian that's, that's lukewarm or easily wavering. Let's not like somebody, somebody makes fun of you for being Christian and then you're like, oh, actually, you're not Christian. <laughs> but can, we cannot be like that because if we are not strong in our beliefs, how are we going to share our faith with other people? And how are, we, how are they going to come to that point where they can trust in God if we don't trust in God ourselves when we are portraying God to them? Cool? So, I also want you to think about what's stopping you from taking the next step. So, I'm not just talking about becoming a Christian. I'm talking about taking the next step in your faith. What is stopping you from doing that? What is a barrier? Is it a friend holding you back? Is it uh, work holding you back? Is it your idea of success that's holding you back? What is holding you back from taking the next step of faith to step out of your comfort zone? And as I invite the worship team to come up and to, as, as, I, as I close, I want to pray for two groups of people today. First is a group where you've heard about Christ. You, you know how Christ has been so real in people's lives and you want to, to go on that journey for yourself. You want to have that personal relationship with God. You want to have that practical experience that it takes to become a Christian. So if that's you and if you're hearing this for the first time and you want to commit yourself to God, I want to pray for you. And the second group of people is people that want to rededicate their lives to God. You've, 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 you think that you're straight away or even that you've stopped being grateful. You've stopped acknowledging that it is God that gave you everything that you have. Or you, and, and, and if, that's, if either one of that is you, I want, as the worship team sings uh, the third song one more time, I want you to really think about the words of the song and also think about whether you want to rededicate your life or whether you want to give your life to God for the first time this, this, this morning. Amen? If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.